All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Next Gen Leadership Podcast. We are excited for another episode here. And Jonathan, it's officially Major League Baseball opening day. Uh, all the goods have happened. Players have made their transitions to the big leagues or whatever season they're going to be playing on. And uh, we're, we're ready to roll in our new episode, too. We're going to call this our Major League Baseball season. It's time for some big episodes, some big, big information coming your way, and uh, we'll get it rolling here. Yes, it is officially baseball season. Good to have it back. A little scary. Thought we might not have this right now, but uh, big leagues, minor leagues, everybody's playing. So uh, we're in full effect and can't wait to talk about some stuff that's been going on here. You got a unique background. I tried to do my background. Well, this will be good enough for me. But our last episode was really unique. I thought talking about NFTs was really cool because we had the opportunity to kind of discuss something that was outside of the baseball realm that's new you know not a lot of players have gotten into this but i love the nft i think you're gonna be repping that all over the place um hopefully i can i can uh, pop my nft in my background sometime soon here too yes shout out shout out to the baseball boys i uh, got my mint i got i got a few few of the actual pieces of the of the mint here last week so uh super excited to see that project continue to grow um shout out shout out to uh aiden mcintyre austin briggs and the rest of the gang over there and we're definitely going to have them back on the show to discuss kind of how that NFT is going. So if you're interested in that episode, definitely tune back in um, to the future episode on, on what the NFT is like in the season and how they've progressed um, in their journey throughout that. So got many, plenty of good episodes here. But Jonathan, you know, the ideas of, of today, we're going to talk a little bit about the end of spring training and the start of the major league season, like I had mentioned, and, and what that kind of means. And then some some other big pieces that we've we found out due, um, due to legislation there. Um, and so, you know, we want, let's dive into the the topic of, you know, end of spring training, start of the season. What does that look like um, when you were in spring training uh, in your time? Yeah, spring training. Best exciting time. First week of spring training, especially for pitchers, uh, you know, in a normal season, even for the minor league guys, they still were reporting, you know, mid, late February. Um, typically for the big leagues, you know, you're looking at like second or third week of February this year, obviously delayed with a uh, much more contracted spring training at that level. But, um, you know, it gets long. By the end of spring training, it is it is the same thing every single day. Um, you know, especially if you're a first or second year guy, you're typically living in a team hotel with somebody else in your room. So, you know, you're, you're kind of almost in repeat mode. You know, you go to the field, work out, come home, kill some time before you go to bed, rinse, repeat, right? So it can get a little long and a little boring, um, you know. So the end of spring training is definitely a welcome time for a lot of guys. You finally get to go out um, to wherever you're ending up, whether, you know, depending on your affiliate or the big leagues, and you actually get to go play real games that count. So, that's an exciting time, you know, and also for a lot of guys, I mean, it's a, it's a chance to finally get paid, right? You know, you, most of these guys haven't cashed a check since the, the middle of September. And now, you know, you're finally going to be able to get a paycheck in the, you know, the middle of May or excuse me, middle of April. So a lot of these guys go seven plus months uh, without getting a paycheck from the team. So that's probably the most exciting part of it other than actually getting to play in a real game. But on the flip side of that, the uh, the end of spring training is one of the most popular times for releases. The two times of the year for baseball players where the Grim Reaper comes for you is right at the end of the season, you know, first month of the offseason and that last week of spring training. 
where, um, you know, it's just a time where got organizations are making decisions on guys. And unfortunately in this business, that means you, uh, you got to make some cuts and, uh, you know, the end of spring training is that's a, that's a mass mass time for, for guys to start getting released. And, and, uh, for a lot of guys, that's where careers end. So it, it can be a very stressful time period for a lot of guys. Yeah. And there was a lot of guys this year that when I was watching spring training, they almost felt uh, a little bit rushed because of the time period that they did have. Like I saw a lot of the major league guys that were everyday players getting three to four at bats. And so in a situation like that, you know, you might only get an inning or two of playing time this year to really show off what you have. And that that might affected some players in, in a sense. And that wasn't something that they could control. Um, but I definitely noticed that as well as as something that just was unique to this this spring training here in this season is that the major league players, if they needed three to four at bats in a game, they got them, right. But those minor league guys that were there were vying for a spot really didn't have the opportunities like they did in previous years to get more playing time and kind of show off what they had. So, yeah. That was yeah, it's tough. We we call that the taxi squad. Like you get your your minor league invites to major league camp, uh, and then the second tier of that is what they call the taxi squad. Those are the guys wearing like 95, 96, 97 with no name on the back. Those are the minor league grinders that are coming over on that taxi squad. You know, in the Brewers complex, it's literally going across the parking lot from the minor league clubhouse to the big league clubhouse to fill in on the backside for the major league games and spring training. Um, you know, and with that condensed season, like you said, it just kind of took away some of those opportunities for some of those grinders to, you know, especially early in camp when it, in a typical spring training, you might get, you know, two at bats and, and there's two or three extra innings that need to be covered on the pitching side. Um, you know, it just it didn't allow for a lot of opportunities for guys on that side to to be able to go and showcase their skills in front of the major league coaching staff. Um, you know, and then also on the, you also have the backfield. I mean, the big league spring training teams are, are they're playing, but uh, you also got triple A, double A, high A, you know, low A and all the rookie ball guys, you know, you got all those backfields filled guys are competing out there for spots, you know, and it's do or die. I mean, you're literally fighting for a job and at times you're fighting for a career out there on the clovers. Right. And, you know, I went to a lot of Milwaukee Brewers spring training games just as a fan um, really unique place to be, but describe the stadium and how that how the field kind of works with with where, where players are. Um, and then you and mentioned the big double gates or, or right. That's the big double doors that you enter in and out of. Yeah. So the way this the Brewers complex in particular is built like you would walk, you drive in and you have you go into the parking lot and then you go to the right. There's a small building and you can see like the the four big fields and then the half field over there that's the minor league clover so you have the four you'd have four minor league games going on over there you know plus the pfp field but then if you keep driving to the left side you've got the actual major league spring training stadium and there are two fields on the back side of that of the of the major league clubhouse so when you get the invite like you'd walk in and you walk in out of the parking lot, you come around the corner for the minor league side. You've got these big double doors, bulletin boards on your left side, you know, with your schedule for the day. Um, the list of names of those guys on the minor league side that are going to go across the parking lot that afternoon to go backfill for the big league team. And then if you go into the right, that was the cafeteria where you'd go get your breakfast, right? So 
around that last week, last two weeks of spring training, you'd, you'd walk in, you'd come around, you'd go in through the big double doors to get into the minor league clubhouse, go check your schedule. And uh, you'd have the payroll guy standing there outside of the double doors. He's the, you know, travel payroll, you know, administrative guy, if you will. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but everybody that played for the Brewers knows who I'm talking about. And, uh, We'd call him the Grim Reaper because the last couple of weeks of spring training, if you saw him, you did not want to have him talking to you because if he was the guy and say, hey, can I come see you in my office? That was uh, that meant you were done. You were you were getting your release papers and you were going home. So, we, you know, it's a really stressful time. I mean, you see that last week or two of spring training. I mean, guys come out of that office, tears streaming down their faces, you know, guys are pissed off, screaming, yelling at times. I mean, you know, but you, you, you watch guys careers and dreams die right in front of you. And it's, it's a stressful time. And you're just a lot of the time, if you're, if you kind of know, most guys are pretty self-aware. You kind of know if you're on the bubble and, you know, you're just praying to God every time you walk into that into that clubhouse those last couple of weeks that he's not there to tap you on your shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, it's it comes a time for everybody where that does happen, but um, it's inevitable. You know, not every major league baseball player, minor league baseball player gets the opportunity to say, you know, this is when I'm going to hang it up. Right. It's 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 put in the hands of somebody else to say, you know, sorry, we don't have room for you or whatever that case is. And that's, that can be hard for a lot of guys. You know, you, you and I have, have gone through it before. I remember sitting and mine was very, very short and, and not as, I guess, important in some sense, because I was just kind of a cut guy anyway. I, I really didn't have a huge shot at playing at the next level. Um, but I just remember sitting on a couch and making a decision and saying, Hey, what's next? right? Like what, what is there out, out there for you? And my, and the coach uh, at the time for the saints said, you know, do you have a job lined up? Do you have, do you have something out there next lined up? And I said, yeah, of course I do. Because I really kind of planned for that rather than playing baseball for me. And so he said, I think you should go take that. I think that's a great opportunity for you. I wouldn't want you to miss something like that. And, and I look back on it now and maybe, you know, maybe I could have said, yeah, I'll stick with it. You know, he gave me that option. You know, I could have been a non-roster guy, which would have been really cool and just be a part of the team and, you know, bullpen catch for the team when they needed it and help out here and there and uh, maybe get a shot again. But that wasn't the case. I, I went to go get a job in the workforce and uh, build something that I wanted to build. And, and that was fine with me. Um, but a lot of guys, again, they don't have that mental what's next. Right. And, and, and you, in some sense, you knew what you wanted to do. Right. But what is out there for players when this situation happens and they're, they're not quite sure. I know more than baseball has a lot of resources for those things, but you know, through, through what you've learned here, what is next for those guys? Yeah, it's tough. I, I think you kind of nailed it on the head for a lot of the vast majority of guys. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to make it. No, you know, everybody thinks they're the, the anomaly and not the statistic. Uh, and at the end of the day, the statistic are, is the statistic for a reason, <laughs> you know, so a lot of guys are pretty tunnel vision, short-sighted, if you will. And, and you know, they think they're going to make it. And when they get that tap on the shoulder and the Grim Reaper comes for them uh, in their career, they can kind of get stuck and they don't really know what's next. I think a lot of it with the mental side of it is your whole identity is wrapped up in 
I'm a baseball player. I'm a professional baseball player, you know, and for a lot of guys, they haven't taken the time to, to figure out what they even enjoy doing outside of the sport. And for some guys, that just means that it's a natural route to go into the coaching route. Um, but for, you know, there's only so many coaching jobs out there, especially at the college professional level. And if you're not willing to go the youth route or do the lesson thing or, or the academy thing, like, there are really limited opportunities out there. And if you're not, you know, a, a, a guy that's kind of been identified by an organization as somebody that they see as a part of the organization for a, as a coach, um, you know, it can be tough to, to get a job in that sense. And I, I know I've played with a few guys that are now coaches at the pro level. Like they, every, they had coach written all over them, you know, like they leaders in the clubhouse, like kind of the organization, the coach on the field, if you will, coaching the bullpen, like, like, and they, as soon as they get released, I mean, the coach, you know, the organization might be like, hey, like, we don't see you as a fit as a player, but we want to transition you into a coach. And there are a handful of guys that get those opportunities. But for the vast majority, you know, you got to go figure out and do something else. Um, a lot of guys, I mean, I did this. I got I got released by the Royals on April 1st. Worst, <laughs> worst <laughs> April Fool's joke ever. But, um, you know, and then I, I went the indie ball route. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get another shot. I'm going to go the indie ball route. I'm going to grind it out, see what happens. Was able to parlay that into a, into an opportunity in Mexico. Uh, but then I got, and then I was there for three and a half weeks in Mexico, pitched like crap. And I got to tap on the shoulder again from, yeah. from the clubhouse, the clubby guy in Mexico. I'm sitting there in my locker after just getting blown out and get out of the third inning. Got the tap on the shoulder from the club. He said, "Hey, the GM wants to see you in your off in his office." And I just was walking through the clubhouse and was just like, "Hey, it's nice knowing you, boys. See you later." <laughs> sure enough, go sit across the table from the GM down there in Mexico, and they're just like, "Hey, you know, we appreciate you. We're just going to go in a different direction, <laughs> right?" Yeah. So at the at the drop of a hat, you can you can be released. And two days later, I was back in indie ball again, and that was kind of where I ended up finishing up. And then after that, I had to make the decision to go ahead. And and go a different route. But uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. I mean, more than baseball is going to help guys. We have the release player program. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put a link in the, in the notes here for guys that if you did get released, uh, we do have different support systems in place, whether it's helping you with the continuing edu education program through, uh, more, uh, through Major League Baseball, the scholarship plan, if you will, uh, helping guys apply for those benefits, go back and finish school, uh, whether you're a high school pick who needs to get going and getting enrolled. Uh, if you're a college junior draft or, or a guy who did not complete his degree and needs to go back and finish that, uh, we'll help you with that. For international players, we have assisted guys with visa issues, whether it's helping them get a student visa so they can stay or or a work visa, you know, job placement programs, things like that. And then for me, I help guys with the financial guidance piece, you know, figuring out what that budget's going to look like. How can we make this work to to get us, you know, in a good spot? So. There's a lot of different resources in place for guys to to be able to help them uh, if they're willing to reach out and, and take the time to do so. Yeah. And, you know, there there is that feeling like we talked about already of like what's next and what is out there. Uh, I, I want players to understand that it's OK to feel like you're a little bit lost and understand that no matter where you are in your journey of finishing your career, that there is that next step right there. There has to be something out there outside of the game of baseball that you probably done or explored or, or have a passion for that that's important to you, right? Like 
it doesn't matter if it's just baseball. There, there's more inside the game that you've probably learned or, or, or met players that have gone on to do something that you could probably connect with, right? That's a, that's a really easy example of, of just reach out to guys that you used to play with, right? You reach out to guys or coaches even that have been in the game that are doing something different and, and learn about what they are doing now in their life and see if that's a potential connection. You know, the, the baseball connection that I have um, – is so deep with a lot of players that around the country it's it's hey man you know he's in he's in chicago how are you what's new what's your new job what what does that look like for you or you know guys that are still in the bigs like it's how how are you doing man like what's what's it look like for you what's your path right now um all those are connections that we've made through the game by just being on the same team you know it's almost like a brothership in some sense where you've met these guys you don't know them to a personal level so deep but but you know them to a point where you could reach out and say, what's up, you know, what's new in life. And that can be an easy connection into your next route and whatever it is, whether that's a new job, whether that's a connection um, with, with a company, right. Or whatever that may be. Uh, there's a lot of great opportunities. So players just understand that no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be that next step, even if it feels like it's worthless or you don't, you're, you don't have much on your plate right now because baseball is all, you know, we've been there. We understand it. Um, and, and we're great resources too. Yeah, that's a, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, you have a large, you have a large network. If you played high level baseball at the, you know, college professional level, it's all about who, you know, right? Like the, the network is so important. I mean, th that is such a true statement. It's not necessarily what you know, it's who, you know, and if you were a semi decent guy, you know, as a, as a, as a player, I mean, there are going to be people that you can reach out to and, and pick the brain that are maybe been a little bit ahead of you, right. That have gone through similar circumstances and, and you already have that natural connection and that natural, that natural ability to connect with that person, right? Like it's not, it's not like you're, it's just some stranger you're reaching out to and being a high level athlete. If you competed at a, at a college or professional level, like you've already attained a certain level of success. It gives you a, a, a little bit more of a legitimate legitimacy factor to you as well. I mean, whether that's from a hiring standpoint or somebody willing to take a chance on you, you've already proven that you can compete at an elite level. Um, and those, those things that made you successful on the field, they're going to, they're going to translate over into real life. As long as you apply those principles um, that you learned in the game and you just translate that over into whatever it is that you end up doing at the next level, whether it's business or coaching or teaching or, or any, any, any number of things that you can go do uh, once you're done actually playing the game. So that's something I think that should not be lost on people. One of my friends, Moby Akugo, he, he's a huge advocate. Is like, yo, you, you know, people, people, you are an in-demand person as a professional athlete. So take advantage of the, the work that you put in, whether you knew it or not, that was giving you legitimacy in the eyes of other people. Um, and it's going to help you land on your feet. Right. And, and, you know, shifting gears a little bit, a lot of players might feel financially unstable in some sense, right? We look at the recent study that, that we put out there on uh, more than baseball with the average salary of, of minor league baseball players being, right, $10,000 or something like that. You know, it's very, very low. A lot of players don't necessarily have the resources to maybe take a gap year and explore what do they want to do. They just have to go right into it, whether that's finding a job at uh, you know, a restaurant or finding a teaching job or find, getting coaching, getting those lessons in right away, they have to make a quick transition. And so their brain doesn't have the time to really cope with the experience of getting cut or being done with something. And then moving on to that next step, they have to go right away. 
right? So let, let's talk and shift gears a little bit about that um, as far as what what information's out there as far as that legislation and all that good stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really cool piece. Um, you know, more than baseball on minor league opening day released our issue report. So it's a culmination of three years of research, uh, 2019, the pandemic year in 2020, and then uh, last year of 2021. We had over 800 player responses, which was awesome to see players getting involved with the organization and letting their voice be heard. Um, the number one far and away issue that that players identify salary 83 percent of players said that salary was the biggest issue for them in the minor leagues um and based on our research going back with experts that we have consulted with and and uh just federal laws in general we we came up with we backed into the data suggesting that thirty-five thousand dollar minimum salary is what's needed to meet the needs of players um because to your point yeah the the pay is low financial insecurity is a huge issue um, and if you are released, you know, if you're released at the end of spring training, you didn't get a paycheck since the, the second week of September, right? Like it's a tough financial position. Um, I know for me, again, I got released on April 1st. I couldn't pit, I couldn't play in any ball game until, you know, towards the end of May, I had to go home and I was working a manual labor landscaping job for six weeks to, to cover the bills. And I was, I would work out six o'clock in the morning lift throw and then 8 30 9 o'clock rolls around i'd go meet up with the work truck throw my jeans on and go install landscaping stuff until four or five o'clock at night to for 15 bucks an hour so i could pay my bills you know so that's that's a reality so with that that's a big part of what more than baseball is trying to identify with this issue report number of different issues out there uh, but salary definitely being the main one yeah, and bringing to light a lot of those pieces is key, right? We, I think the continued uh, kind of push that more than baseball is making and, and even just having this conversation, you and I, we need to continue to get that word out there so everybody understands that when the situation does happen, you know, minor league baseball players need the support. They need the help, right? And the more people that know about this and the more people that just don't realize – Oh, look at all those players on the field. They're professional athletes. They're doing great, right? The more that they're aware of the situations that are going on behind the scenes, the better, right? If you're just a fan of the game or, you know, whatever it is, however you can get involved, if you care about an issue like this, you know, that's where more than baseball comes in. And that's where more than baseball has made a huge stride to inform people about all of the inconsistencies within minor league baseball. So unique in some sense, but it's not it's not all sunshine and rainbows right behind the scenes and, and in the locker room right and players are going through a lot mentally you know and when those lights come on they're they're playing the game but but when they go home to their families you might not see the work that they're putting in and a great example of that is like mike divine who we had on the show a couple of, of a couple of months ago that guy worked his ass off to really to really perform and provide to his family and he was a great athlete on the field but knowing him personally and watching and hearing about his story on the show really gave me that that secondary opinion of like he wasn't you know he was going to interlock and to go to go work on the on the course and be, be a caddy and that's something you just don't see right and, and simple examples like that i mean we could have countless guys in the show that have their story and their stuff and i intend to right i intend to have those guys in the show to share it but we need to continue to spread that word continue to share it with it with everybody 
so that they understand those those imperfections that we have to kind of continue to, to build upon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to, to go back to this issue report, just to kind of give some context, I mean, 60% of players said organizations did not assist them in finding opportunities to build prospects for life after their careers. Right. So this is a, this is something that players are identifying, saying, you know, we're not getting paid enough. Salary, with, you know, is low. It's, it needs to be raised. It's, it's a very untenable situation from that perspective. Housing that we have talked about, you know, we got to win with the in-season housing. And it looks, you know, first glance that a lot of teams are doing a good job with that now on the in-season housing implementation uh, for this first year. Um, but there's always going to be some uh, some issues that we're working to uh, to make sure that that continues to get better. Um, but players are that's something that players are identifying. And then when you talk about things that guys needed to do in order to survive, I mean, first of all, not getting paid in the off season, and then the most common jobs, the most common jobs for minor league guys to have to work in the off season. Number one no doubt baseball coaching private lessons coaching teams whatever that looks like but number two is delivery driver whether that's uber doordash something like that and then third is construction and manual labor i fall into that category um and you talk about having to go like with mike he would go walk 36 holes caddy two rounds and then go pitch seven innings at night like that's crazy you shouldn't have to do that you know, you shouldn't right. have to, you know, how are you supposed to become a better athlete when you're going to have to use up your body's energy all day for six, seven, eight hours lifting heavy stuff and then, you know, moving dirt in my case, right? Like that's not going to make it to where you can train at your maximum effort in order to, or to recover, to allow your body to recover in order to continue to grow and develop as an athlete. So these are some of the things that we're really working at. And one last data point, you know, talking about everybody thinks that they are the exception and not the statistics. Only 10% of minor league players ever meet, make the big leagues, right? So mm -hmm. post-career support is something that we are really advocating for, whether that's job training classes, college scholarships and improvements of the CEP program. Uh, while it is a solid program overall, there are some serious flaws with regards to the way those those funds are taxed, the way they're implemented, uh, and the difficulty uh, with regards to trying to get reimbursed for your education expenses. So uh, those are some things that we're really working on over at MTB to try and correct and give guys more resources as they transition out of the game. Because remember, 90% of guys are not playing in the big leagues. Right. Yeah. And, and let's dive into a little bit of that legislation too. It's, it's a little bit of a shift as well here, but talk a little bit about what the, uh, what Bernie Sanders released recently too, um, as far as some news. Yeah. So this kind of ties into our conversation that we had with Simon uh, last month about kind of some of the structural issues with regards to minor league baseball and the antitrust exemption that major league baseball enjoys. They are the only professional sporting league that has one of those. It dates back over a hundred years um, but thankfully, Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont has introduced some legislation a few weeks ago that is going to take aim at that. He uh, introduced a bill called the Save American Baseball Act, which is a play on the Save America's Pastime Act that was passed four years ago that uh, basically reinstated that antitrust exemption. But hopefully now there are some 
some serious looks being taken at the structural issues surrounding professional baseball and why MLB is able to do what it does to minor league players. Um, one being that antitrust exemption, two being the lack of minor league union. Um, so I think there's definitely some some movement at the federal level to address some of these issues, which is great to see that politicians are starting to take notice of the just nonsense that is is going on in the professional baseball world. And hopefully that that will get some traction um, at the federal level and, and lead to some change. Yeah, it's all about that momentum. That's going to be huge for it. And uh, we'll continue to enhance the quality of, of players lives and and overall the game of baseball too i think it's just it's a constant battle you know with any with any issue that's you know, whether it's political or just a general uh human ethics thing where we just need to continue to push for it and uh we'll continue to have great conversations about it bring players on uh to talk about the things that they've experienced and and hopefully that sheds some light into the 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 issues that we do see so um, with that, anything else as far as topics, any any major things that we can think about before you know sharing with our players that that your life isn't isn't the end at the end of your baseball career? Um, any big things that you want to touch on, Jonathan? No, just we're gonna link to all these different topics. We'll we'll put the link to the release player program. If you're a player listening out there that uh, was released recently in spring training, please. Uh, click through that link and and reach out to more than baseball. We're here to help uh, all fans. You know, we definitely encourage you to list or look at that issue report. It's it's some pretty mind-boggling statistics, and uh, I know I'm just extremely proud to be a part of an organization that has taken the time and has you know been able to include you know nearly a thousand responses from different players over the last three years. I mean, it is a pretty comprehensive. A look at minor league life and you're getting voices directly from players so we'll link to that as well um and we'll also throw a link out there to the to the bernie sanders article about uh, what that actual antitrust exemption entails and and what that legislation may look like moving forward it's just uh the more public opinion support that these causes are going to get from the fans uh and the more awareness that uh is drawn to these issues, the better off it's going to be and the more pressure will be put on Major League Baseball to change. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Next Gen Leadership Show. Um, you know, if you have questions or you want to be on the show, please reach out to Jonathan or I. We're, we're more than happy to have you share your stories, share your experiences within the game. Um, but with that, thank you and have a great rest of your day. <laughs>